Hi everybody, it's Ryan here from Unrolled Podcast. Uh, trying something a little bit different this week. Uh, Kate was out of town, so uh, in anticipation of her needing to take some time off to uh, be with the baby, we're trying this whole bring on a guest host thing. We've heard lots of feedback from some of the guest episodes that the dynamic of having three people in conversation is interesting and exciting, but definitely not as uh, uh, interesting as just the two of us shooting the shit on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, And I think this week uh, with Tim Kelleher, who's our guest host, um, that I I think that proved to be true. Uh, we, We had a great conversation about Pride. Uh, which was coming up in Boston, which was in Boston last weekend, as you're listening to this. And um, yeah, definitely just having two people having an honest conversation about yoga is definitely the heart of what we're we're doing here. So uh, hope that you enjoy my conversation with Tim, and uh, I'll have a few notes for you on the other end. So thank you very much for listening. Hey Tim. Hi Ryan. <laughs> Welcome to Unroll. Thanks. Are you nervous? I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Is it the microphone? It's the giant microphone. It's the giant microphone. Okay. Okay. I mean, a little nervous and excited because okay. of the giant microphone. Because of the giant microphone. <laughs> Kate gets the same one. So you're just you're filling in all the things. Also, uh, we just shared a brownie, which is, I guess, how all Unrolled recordings have to start because. Oh. Normally, there's 30 minutes of Kate bitching about that I brought her the wrong brownie. Oh, I brought a blondie. Yes, yes. Oh, so okay. We'll f- there's no context in it. It's Kate just- will never <laughs> listen to this. So there's, <laughs> there's no no worries there. Um, so, uh, should I say who I am? Yeah, you should, because that's probably <laughs> just confusing to okay. have another different voice on the podcast. Uh, I'm Tim Kelleher. I am. Uh, yoga practitioner and a yoga teacher here in Boston. I have been practicing yoga for my entire adult life and uh, teaching for quite a long time. Uh, Ryan and I go back to the olden days of, <laughs> of back by yoga. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, we became friends and then colleagues for a while, we had like a gay boys practice. Once oh a yeah, week, that was so nice. It was so nice. It was, it was so, so nice. lovely. I totally. And, and we, we were like just standing with Matthew, and I totally. <laughs> forgot that it was so. We basically like put each other in a supported bridge pose and then bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe the precursor to unroll. Right? Mildly <laughs> inappropriate adjustments, like yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and oh, so I teach full time. I uh, mentor teachers. I do teacher trainings. I write content, and I love all kinds of yoga. And you have a beautiful little. Boy. I am. A, I have a. Gay, I have a. I'm, I'm married to a to a man. So yes, it's not a gay marriage, but if you're gay and we're married, and we have <laughs> a son, and uh, he's four as of last week, and. Uh, it requires a lot of yoga. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm Not sure. necessarily the asana yoga, but the um, non-reactive. Every t- every time you post like a video on Instagram of him, I'm like, 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. And that's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot to handle. <laughs> but, you know, I think that um, my practice makes me a better parent. And mm-hmm. my parenting gives me lots of material to practice with. Sure. So, um, and I will tell you that watching a human body yeah. become... <laughs> has really changed my opinions about what we're doing with our bodies and why. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I just am so jealous of his garasana, basically. Because, <laughs> like, all little kids oh, can just, 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 like, fall down in that pose and yeah. not have to worry about meniscus tears at all. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That so is... That's, that's kind of who I am. Yeah. Um, what... Uh... I had a question, and then it went away. Um, parenting. Practicing. Parenting. So, like, what's the, th- what are, like, the moments where you, like, are, like catch yourself, like, really, like? If I'm going to really, like, be yogic about it, right, it is, it is when my ego is threatened. Right? Like, when he is willfully defiant or disrespectful <laughs> on purpose. Yeah. And it makes me, it puts me right into a place of, like, don't you know who I am? Or, like, <laughs> I am entitled to something different than what you are offering. Like, I do not accept your reality right now. Right? Which yeah. is, like, like, daddy is a noodle poopy head. Right? Like, or something like that. Right? Is that a favorite insult of his? It's, like, the meanest. Right? <laughs> so, if you're a noodle poopy head, is like, not a good day for you. Um, but I find myself doing things like demanding respect and understanding (laughs) from a (laughs) four-year-old. And I find, like, um, that I, like, the process of, like, temper or anger, like, that emotional wave Mm -hmm. can come really quickly. And, like, what... I have to do with that in order to be an effective parent. It's like, this is how it, this is the yoga, right? It's like, okay, here's like the welling up of the reactivity of the emotional state. Yeah. But I cannot be in this emotion. Well, it's not that I can't, but I cannot act on this emotional state. Sure. I must let the emotional state be there and then make a different choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, All in the space of like, Daddy, you're a noodle poopy head, right? Like, I ha- like, it has to, like, come that fast. Otherwise, it's like, go to your room and I lose my temper. Yeah, yeah, right? For sure. Um, and I don't... My parents aren't going to hear this. Like, my father always lost his temper. Yeah. And I... And, and I don't want that for Colin. Yeah, yeah, um, Do you find that... Do you find that uh, Josh is better at some things? That you, like, get mad? Like, <laughs> you're not practicing yoga. You well, Josh is better at not laughing. Okay. Because, like, what happens is, like, I can't, like, he's so cute, you've seen him, right? And he knows it, and he's funny, and he knows it, so I'll be so angry, and he'll be, like, like, twirling his eyelashes, and, like, doing a little dance, and, like, telling me he loves me, and, like, trying to make a joke, and, like, I have to, like, stay maintained disciplinarian, and sometimes he breaks me, (laughs) and I laugh, and then the minute you laugh, you've lost, You've lost it all. You've lost it all, and Josh never cracks. (laughs) <laughs> so I could see that. I could yeah. see that. If it's would... real trouble, Josh has to be the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know what that says about my management uh, potential, but um, yeah. But I uh, I love being a parent. I, I always like I I worked in business for many years, mm-hmm. um, and I was you know I ran to practice to like not lose my mind as I worked in business, and um, and when Josh and I first started talking about having kids, like I I was just a student of yoga, a yeah. serious student of yoga. And I was like, okay, when we have kids, I'll just stop working uh-huh. and parent. Yeah, yeah. And then by the time that happened, like years later, like I was so invested in my teaching and I, you know, my identity as yeah, yeah. teacher had become so important to my kind of happiness and yeah. my ability to be of service and all of those things. Like the meaningful work is, yeah, yeah. is, is important for someone for, like me and uh, Dharma or whatever you yeah, want to get into. Um, and so then I had a baby and I was like, I don't want to stop working. Yeah. So, you know, it is, it's a balance or yeah. not a balance. It's a juggling. <laughs> it's a ju- <laughs> yeah. It's stressful. Yeah. And worth it. Yeah. I think so far, so far. As, yeah, so far yeah. as you know. <laughs> well, it's like that funny thing about um, there's so many, many, many teachers. So many teachers. Or so many people who instruct asana. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's not a lot of us who are actually making a living doing it. Um, and so I just feel... I don't say I feel lucky because I don't feel lucky. I feel like I work my fingers to the bone and yeah, I give yeah. all of myself. Um, but I feel grateful that I get to sure. yeah. Yeah. do this work. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I brought Tim on to talk about pride because this weekend is pride in Boston. This will come out on Monday, so it'll be post-pride. Yeah. <laughs> when people this is this is what everyone can listen to when they're hungover on Monday yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah. After going like, to see Katya on Sunday night. Is she here on she's Sunday here night? on Sunday night, yeah, yeah. Oh that's, that's, where is she at Josh? At Cam at Candy Bar. Oh. She can't play Jocks anymore. Though. She's too big. For <laughs> she's too big. <laughs> too big. <laughs> um uh and and you know the thing that I wanted to start the you know, there, there are a, a number of gay yoga teachers in the city. Several. Several. Um, I feel like not as many as everybody thinks. Like, I actually don't That's feel... Count. <laughs> That's count. I, I, <laughs> no, but I do, I do feel like people's sense of the demographic is, like, a little bit skewed. Like, people are always like, oh, there must be, like... So many gay yoga teachers. I feel like there's no, they're all women. There's they're all women. But even amongst the male yoga teachers, it's not. I think it's probably pretty evenly split. Evenly split between between gay and straight. I guess it is kind of is 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 like gay or European, like gay or yoga teacher. Like sometimes it's hard to tell from an outside observer. Sometimes that's fair. Um, but one of the things that I've, I've seen going around in a couple different places that I think is just, um, you know, it may seem like not directly related to yoga practice, but, um, this notion around pride of we're just like everybody else. 
And full disclosure, this is being recorded by two cisgendered white men. So, <laughs> like, I, I'm, you know, we, we have to have <laughs> that we, as we, a Yes, but, but. Yeah. I grew up in fear. Yeah. I grew up feeling outcast. Yeah. I grew up with violence from my peers because I was different. Yeah. You know, and so, yes, I mean, the, the advantages the world affords me as a cisgender white male are innumerable. Yes. But it is not the same as if I was also heterosexual. That, yes, that is very true. And, and I think the thing that um, it is that uh, every time I've seen this come up from a yoga teacher, it is always that sentiment of we're just like everybody else is always put forth by a cisgendered, gay, white, male. Because some aspect of this, their experience has allowed there to be just a little, enough complacency to, to <laughs> settle in that... No difference. You, that there's no difference. And, and the truth is, is that if there's anything that the practice of, of yoga can actually start to uh, uh, point us towards is that uh, yes, we can we can hold in one hand the fact that like uh, according to most of these teachings, according to most of whether it's Buddhist or Patanjali or what have you, there is some sense of like uh, there is some inherent Buddha nature, there is some inherent She's essence, there is whatever you right? want whatever you want to point to, but. Identity is is a, is driven by culture. It's driven by history. It's and and people's experiences of their identities are vastly different. And the you know the sentiment around pride shouldn't be about assimilation or assimilation. It should be about hey, we have a really unique experience as a, a community, and we are very diverse as a community. Um, though most prides I don't think really reflect that very well. Um, oh, am I going to go off and bust a public <laughs> forum? How many people listen to this? Uh, I, it's like usually like four to seven hundred per episode. So. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for telling me. It's not just like my grandma. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, but I do, I, I think, I think there, there has to be a, uh, because I, I do think to, to a large degree, the conversation about identity in, uh, especially in, in Buddhist communities, is a, it, they're a little bit further down the line. It's not perfect, but but the the conversation has been around long enough that it it's you know starting to be uh, addressed. And I actually don't feel like it it is addressed very well within the yoga community at all and i don't think that our uh um, well it's like the, it's like this conversation going around about the sutras right now right would, well like there'd be like this matthew like there's, there's there's like this way of wanting to look at the sutras that is kind of not an originalist way 
right? Sure. There's a liberal way to yes. look at mm-hmm. the Yoga Sutras, which says, like, this is about connection, right? This is about, mm-hmm. like, yoga is union, right? Yeah. Yoga is about connection, whether it's mind and body, whatever that means, or, like, the self and universe, or whoever you want to. Yeah. Or, like, this very original, conservative view of the Yoga Sutras that are, like, actually, what the Sutras are saying to do is to totally separate all of it. Yeah. Right? To separate yourself from the world, to separate your identity from yourself, to have a singular experience, yeah. right, of separation from yeah. the world. Like, the seer resides in its own split. Like, yeah, this yeah. is a totally separate, this isn't about union with anything. Yeah, yeah. It's about disunion. Yeah. So, you know, I think we in our kind of, like, I don't really like to think of it that way. It's not used to, it's not, it's not, it's uncomfortable for me to think of sure. it. Sure. Which doesn't mean that it's not valuable to parse out that totally. that point of view, but from a practice point, there's like there's there's like understanding. the Gita yoga, like the kind yeah. of like the kind of friendlier, you know, way of looking at what yeah. we're trying to do, which also like brings you into this idea of you know, am I a soldier? Like, what is my identity as? What is identity and work? Identity and dharma? Identity and yeah life experience and the way the world kind of bends around you because of your identity. Like yeah. these are, you know, if I was straight, the world would bend around me differently. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make any sense at all? Yes. I mean, I think, I think there's this, there's interesting, um, and I, and what I, uh, appreciate from what I understand of, of, of my Buddhist practice yeah. is that which I don't have a deep understanding of. Yeah. Um, at least in the way that it's expressed by the teachers that I choose yeah. to study with. Um, there, there is a real need to understand things from a dualistic point of view. To understand the relative, the relative truth of what what the fuck's going on, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, and to be able to act skillfully within that with the backdrop of this understanding and not just an understanding, but an experience, an experiential understanding of bodhicitta, of buddha nature, of whatever you want to throw in there. And I actually don't think that that's incompatible with Patanjali. Patanjali has been bent so many different ways over the years that it's just over the not years, I but like to centuries. I listened Bryant, and I, uh, the, what stayed with me about what he said was, is like we do Patanjali between the hours of four thirty a.m. and six a.m. Right? <laughs> sure. And then we do the Gita Yoga for the rest of the day. Right? Then, yeah, we, then, yeah. we, then, we, then we like we do our like meditative dissociative practices in the, in, in that that yeah. moment. Yeah. Right? And we do Patanjali, yeah. and then we're like, oh, now I have to like put on my pants and like yeah. Do your do, do my shift, yeah. Right. Um, and it also is from a, um, uh, and I think we have to be. I think the thing that gets gets challenging to to address these things in a, um, uh, whether you choose to address any sort of philosophical content or just go in there and teach a physical class and like let me drop the mic and leave, you know. The challenge in the ever-shortening yoga class <laughs> is, like... 70 minute. You might say something... Five minutes. <laughs> you, might, you might say something, 
that you understand with the backdrop of the transcendent or the absolute. But because it's, it's not missing. contextualized, <laughs> you the person takes that that little relative snippet and like you and did, like did runs you, did with you see the Kat Allen's way. post a couple days ago. No, I didn't. No, where she this was this was about racial identity. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, "It's actually I'm gonna I don't want to I don't want to misquote her. Yeah, but um or her or her point." Yeah, yeah. Because it was more of a question, and it yeah. was like, um, if I say to someone, suffering is optional, this is my teaching, I'm like, suffering is optional. Yeah. Right? Like, that may not be true for yeah. a poor person, a person of color of certain mm -hmm. circumstances, a person in a residential, like, you know, yeah. and, like, as a teacher, I'm, like, going in, like, I, I've done a lot of work in recovery communities to go into, like, a residential place and be, like, suffering is optional, and they're, like, I'm detoxing off of heroin, and I'm locked in a ward. <laughs> like, suffering is not optional right now, yeah. and it's, like, super privileged of me to say it. Yeah, yeah. But there, there is a, you know, I, I think... There's... Oftentimes I feel like, you know, 99% of what we're, or what I'm doing in front of the classroom is an editing job. It's like, if I'm on my mat feeling very specifically what's going on in my neck, you know, this is a benign example, am I going to enumerate every single place that I am purposefully manipulating the different parts of the of the spinous processes yeah. and and pressing against tendon like no i'm not going to enumerate all of that but i might very well just say okay everyone just put your hands around your neck and just give yourself a little bit of it you know like <laughs> yes 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 you have to there's there's under there's study and practice and developing understanding and and developing nuance and developing subtlety and then there's the strategies with which we go and communicate and that which work which have to be measured based on or measured meaning um uh that's not the right word um have to be uh uh how the the way in which you choose to communicate that ha is has to be has to take into consideration people's uh history both sort of medical and, and personal uh, people's uh, context for their understanding of yoga, people's uh, uh, identity, um, and a host of other things. Like, you, it, the person who's receiving what you're about to say, like, there's a skillful way to communicate that, and there's a skillful time to communicate that suffering is optional, but to like say that as a blanket statement. Come to a tall seat. Today as we practice 900 chaturangas, so why don't you remember that suffering yeah. is optional. <laughs> Start in crow pose. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be teaching that tonight at 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. no. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's, it's a... Because the thing that... Um, 
the thing that, that I think a lot of times is not considered fully is like, what are we asking people to leave at the door? What part of their identity, what part of their history, what part of their experience are we asking them to leave at the door? Because ideally in not necessarily every time you get to the mat, but over the arc of practice, there has to be some ability, if it's going to be a, a sustainable and, and interesting and, and useful practice, there has to be some way to uh, not only understand the suffering which a person is going through in their own practice, but then as a teacher also being able to understand the subtlety and nuance uh, and possibility of suffering that another human being is going mm. through. And there's not um, the uh, frame of a yoga class as we know it in this culture is is not equipped for that. Which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Maybe it's maybe like you could totally I could very easily make an argument of like okay we just sterilize the practice everyone comes in and just does their asana and we hope that they have some sense of uh but that's not how you teach and that's no not it's not <laughs> but i'm just saying like the right. argument could be i expect more of my students yeah, yeah i expect yeah. more of my students yeah yeah and and so but this is this is like not to try to like tie this back to like yeah. being a homosexual yoga teacher <laughs> You're homosexual. I'm homosexual. <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've, I've become in love with that word recently. Um, really there, there's a, like an abundance of syllables. It's gratuitous <laughs> syllables in that word. <laughs> and just like, and you, like, can, and you can be syllabic with like, every, like <laughs> It's like yoga for your mouth, really. Yeah, it's exactly. a full practice if you're homosexual. So we're going to chant at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take my harmonium. <laughs> <laughs> um, is like uh, so as a gay man when mm. I stand in front of a room I have um, experienced some pretty at least of my generation yeah, right? yeah. some pretty intense personal suffering yeah and related to my sexual sexuality yeah um that's enough to talk about in this context but like um and the ways that i try to heal or mitigate or not feel or not participate in that yeah. were by and large injurious yeah and finding a practice mm -hmm. which enabled me to start to find a space in which i could become at home with yeah. my identity yeah. and learn to see it as a piece of a whole. Sure. And, and also be able to watch it change yeah. and grow. Yeah. Like, so when I stand in front of a room full of people, yeah. students, I do have a little bit more. And I think we as gay men have a, maybe the opportunity to like come from a place of I don't know, permissiveness is not the word I'm looking for, but like, 
to like have to have hold the space in a way in which we don't assume that everybody's been able to come in and leave their suffering sure at the door sure and we understand in a way what it really is to have that with you in the practice mm-hmm. and that makes me a better teacher i mean it makes me a better yeah. teacher it makes me a and and not that every human hasn't had an experience of suffering but growing up culturally like i am different yeah and what i am and the way that i am different is wrong bad and evil yeah okay yeah so now i have to go out into this world yeah having heard that message yeah again and again and again and again and again and again and again yeah and yet like the truth of my identity is so powerful that it doesn't matter sure it busts through the pressure of the cultural yeah. pressure. Yeah. Right? And then you're left with a, like, a mess. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think part of what you're speaking to is like, there is, it doesn't always happen. In fact, I think it probably doesn't happen enough. But there's a way in which, you know, as. As a as a gay man, you could stand in front of the classroom and sort of uh, lean into the authority <laughs> of being a male person in front, male-bodied yes. person in front of the classroom. Yes. Or you could use the whatever experience of otherness that you've had to go through um, to actually. As a, as a gateway to attempt to understand not that you could not that you could ever understand fully but that you could you could be interested in the ways that other people have suffered from I don't need someone to understand me necessarily but in the, like understanding but, but, might but, not no, be the right no, no, word. No, no, but, but what I'm saying is like what matters is someone tries like yeah, we yeah, can yeah. have a connection yeah. if you are coming open to try to understand. Yeah. Whether or not you could actually understand me is not my business anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so, like, it, I yes, there's plenty of cultural and, and, and societal and racial um, experiences which I will never actually be able to understand. Yeah. Well, but that doesn't mean I can't attempt. And in the attempt to understand yeah. is compassion and connection yeah. and... and and meaning, right? Yeah. And there is this, there is, and this is part of the reason why, why I thought of this, is there is this interesting thing about, about pride in any city, um, where there is this, like, like, oh my god, happy pride, like, like, no matter, like, you could have had like a bad one night stand with this person like five years ago and you don't talk to them. On happy Pride! And you're like, happy Pride, and you give them a hug. And like, it, there is like a. a Remember the, when you stole my cat that time? Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There, there is this really interesting, like, okay, like, there is a shared otherness that we are celebrating and hopefully not assimilating. And, and, that is always, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just always been something that's really interesting to me about pride is like, cause I'm all, I'm not someone who has like casual 
friendships. Like, I kind of keep to myself unless you're like we're friends. We're like friends. Like yeah. to say someone is my friend means I care about them. Like, and I ha- make effort to have them in my life. Yeah. So like, I. You know, it's nice for Kiki of Hey Girl. It's nice. It's nice for one weekend a year, or the you know week weekend you're in Provincetown or whatever, to have that like sort of casual, like, oh my god, how are you? But you know, I always wonder, like, okay, well, what, what, what is that? Well, I'm like, I'm like trying to to, on the way here. I was like, Tim, don't say these things that I'm about to say, but I say them. I'm I've not been known for my. Like shrinking violet tendencies is not why, not why I, I, no one has ever thought that of me. So it's easy to say we're just like everybody else because we live in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We live in no, in particular, we live in the easternmost part of Massachusetts. Yes. Right. Yeah. And there's not even gay bars anymore because like everyone's like we just go to the bar and it's everyone all together. Yeah. Which I, is a huge loss in my yeah. opinion. Well, I'm, um, I moved here from, from Chicago, where... Gaberhood. Because yeah, it's still the Midwest. Yeah, and, and like, I remember the first time that... I'm from New York. Yeah, I remember the first time that I, I came here to audition for school, and my friend Brian had already moved. Uh, we'd been undergrad together. And so I'd just done my audition, and we were going out, and, like, we get to Machine, and we have one drink. And I'm like, okay, where's the next place? He was like... Where this this is the only way, <laughs> and everyone here is wearing chinos and like facing in with the people they came with, and not even looking at anybody else. Right. So it, it you know it, it not does anything wrong with chinos. N- no, of course not. We would not want to offend any of the chino wearing population. But but there so is, this is the problem. Yeah. So the first year that I had pride here, excited, and I'm like, where are the guys in thought? Yeah. <laughs> where are the dykes on bikes? Yeah. Like, where are the freaks? Yeah. Where are, like, the drag queens? Yeah. Where, like, all I see is the Bank of America HR department mm-hmm. marching down. And, like, thank God we live in a world in which, in a corporate setting, gay people can band together and then they march publicly and supported by their... Like, it's, it's a miracle. And I don't... Yeah. I'm not smack-talking at all because the world that I was born into was not the world that is now. Yeah. But I... Even... I, I'm raising a queer kid. I'm a yeah. queer guy. Yeah. I don't want... I don't... I don't want to be the same. Yeah. I didn't well, go through all of this in order to be the same. Well, that's... So, the... I, I have... Um, had many conversations with, with people over the past few years of um, I actually have come to appreciate my identity as as a gay man to be a sexual identity which is held within this idea of queerness mm. and queerness includes a political uh um, uh, not, uh, very specifically a, uh, political bent towards intersectionality and also, uh, um, against the preference of, of heteronormativity. And, um... Which is saying, like, I'm a married guy with a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, but that doesn't, 
and but queerness doesn't negate that it includes that. It's like can you be a feminist and wear heels like, exactly yes, yeah. i can be queer and also be very heavy yeah. right exactly um but there is yeah, a um i often feel in front of especially in front of not like at at bow street but like when i taught at back bay i did feel that there were times in which i certainly could walk in there as a gay man but i had to leave a queer kid Outside. at the door now whether that is that 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 could totally just be my perception and my hang up and and like i'm totally open to that being the case but if i as a you know like i don't i mean i yeah, I, yeah. I i when i come to teach I just come to and teach. and I certainly feel that way up at Bow Street, but that's because the what I can do at Bow Street is be much more conversational with, with people. So it's not there's the, but, see, but the, I, the dynamic of the classroom is very different but I than it was at back then. I, I I can have the authority and I can have the fifty students in front of me mm-hmm. and I can still show up as my gay queer self. I can still show up as both of those things and teach from that space and not have to worry so much about anybody else's feelings because. What I'm not doing in that space is proselytizing it. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. I just show up and I am it. Yeah. I'm not necessarily like, you must also be, or this is how I think you should feel, right? And yes. If it is useful for me to use some personal experience to convey a spiritual teaching or any other teaching, yeah. then I will. But, you know, I, I can, I like, you know, I can, like, I can feel myself, like, walking in to teach like at a big event and like butching it up yeah no but that's what i mean like yeah. i i have definitely yeah, no, I, I have I, de- as, as i'm talking i'm like you're not really being honest him because you've butched it up yeah right. like there's all we all have had moments where like and that's you know there there are definitely moments where <laughs> there are definitely moments where being in and i and i've had uh many many conversations with all manner of queer people about this like the experience of being in a group of gay men can be really toxic sometimes, but it can also be like, you know, the, the three of us in Matthew's apartment practicing yoga in the afternoon. Right. Like there's this ability to be like, Oh, like there's no, there's no moment where any of us have to butch it up. Right. <laughs> like, yes, it's, it's like, it's all clear guys. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. And like, yeah. Now, now, mind you, like that—that's that is a, completely dependent upon the the queer people in the room, right? Like, you know, it's dependent upon who's actually there. Like, you can't make a generalization like that. But that is that is the the heart of the the leaving it at the door, and well, and you know, the, and every other person with ever any other intersecting set of. Um, of uh, identities has some version of that or multiple versions of that that they do in different settings whether it's just the way they hold themselves or whether it's uh you know uh the way that they speak or you yeah know. i mean the, the the fact remains that if i like don't wear what i have on right now right <laughs> like if i put on shorts and a t-shirt and i go and i sit in a room quietly and yeah. somebody walks into the room they, there's nothing about me yeah. that tells them anything yeah. about my identity. Yeah. I'm a cis white male. Yeah. Right? 
that's not true for everybody. So I can actually, I have a cho- we're privileged yeah. in our choices, right? Like yeah. I can, I can choose to like push it up, which is never effective. Um, I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't want to throw too much. <laughs> <laughs> or I can choose to um, normalize, and it's I don't know, like yeah. you know, uh, um, and also like, the, and I don't think that's necessarily. This is like I don't like when I'm teaching. I I, I often want to be a channel more than I want to be a presence. Anyway, like I want to be transmitting. Yes. Rather than be the focus. Yes. So and, like, and if, if, if me being a little less effusive or a little yeah. however you want to say it is, I think it's a useful teaching tool for me because yeah. I want them embodied in yeah. their breaths, focused inwards. I don't want them thinking about me. Not that I don't tell a joke here or there, but there's definitely those teachers who it's like all about, all about. Yeah. And like, that's a method, but yeah. it's not my method. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually... Uh, you know this yeah. like I'm fairly reserved in talking about my life in front of the classroom because there's like so many other things that I'm like chomping at the bit to like totally talk about that um but it's just my also my 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 like roots my like my first teachers were yeah, yeah. the kind of teachers who like whipped out the harmonium and would use um and would use myth and and experience and stories of their lives and other people's in order to convey spiritual teaching. Yeah. And that feels comfortable for me. And so that's what I do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, and I think, I think the, the, what you're leaving at the door is potentially more of an issue, uh, in terms of, when you're entering a space as a student. What do you have to leave anything at the door if you enter the space as a student? Oh, because these spaces are, you know, are... The spaces that we practice yoga in are, are riddled with, you know... Uh, body shaming. Body <laughs> shaming and, and triggers and, 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 you know... Like, I walk into the room and I Did, get... Can you afford $18 to pay for this class? Yeah, and, like, I just imagine the... Um, like, I imagine for some people walking into your average yoga space in Boston is like me walking into a room full of straight men. Like, there, I'm going to be, like, immediately, like, on guard. It doesn't mean that there won't be people that I can connect to in that room... But there is something deeply rooted within me where I'm like, watch your back. Watch your, not like I'm in danger or anything, but like, this is not, I'm, I'm like, I'm in a different herd. Yeah. Like I've got to just like, I'm know. a gazelle and I'm in the <laughs> middle of all <laughs> I'm in the middle of the zebra. Like maybe they won't notice, but like. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, oh man. And like, you know, I, I know that there are, there are people people out there who are like oh like there should you should people should let that go and I'm like and like I just want to be clear like that's so deeply programmed like Mm. I can catch myself doing it and try to relax but so what what are the nerves of like what are just the nerves of a new space I mean so there's like that to think about kind of too 
There's the nerves of um, like I, like I've never been to your studio, mm. even though it's your studio. Yeah. When I like, I would come and I would walk in and I would be like, where 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 do I belong here? Yes, like I would exactly. have that moment of where do I belong here, even mm. though I know that it's your studio and that I'm a I'm an experienced practitioner and that like nothing was going to happen in the next two hours that I won't be able to contend with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. But you you know you walk walk into. I don't know how I feel if I walked into like Soul Cycle. Yeah, I probably run out screaming. Yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> Let's not test that. <laughs> we should go. We should go. You was just like a, a field trip, and okay. you and I, we can go to Soul Cycle. Okay. <laughs> and see if we make it through the whole bus. Yeah, I guess see. so. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, there's so if you're walking into the room and. Um, there's like, it's a fine line because you know, you're to walk into the room, you're going to notice immediately whether there are people who look like you, you're going to notice, um, the sort of the setup of the room and like, see that quickly look around for people who look like they know what they're doing and like kind of mimic mm-hmm. that was just what we naturally do. But, like, um, I've had multiple conversations with um, with one of uh, the teachers at Bow Street about the fact that um, have the um, uh, simple altar that's just Buddha, statue, incense holder, and the Wheel of Life tanka um, in the corner of the room. Um, and how for her that's not so triggering but her being of south asian descent and raised hindu if she saw a ganesha at the front of the room she would probably just say this place is not for me why um because uh it's something that means a lot to her upbringing and um i don't want to like put words in her mouth but uh, uh, if that is coupled with there being a white person at the front of the room and then chanting to Ganesha, it's very off-putting to her. So, but this is interesting because, you know, that, like, there's that, there's that Ganesha. I have one that's on me all the time. And, (coughs) and I waited for years to put him on. Struggling with this question. Yeah. Am I entitled to this? Yeah. Am I not entitled to this? Is it appropriation? What does appropriation mean? Isn't everything appropriation? And it came to feel that I had developed a meaningful relationship Mm -hmm. with the archetype of Ganesh. And that in my meditations and in my prayers and yeah. in my, that I was led in that way. Yeah. And so people convert all the time. Sure. And there's a really big difference, I think, between someone's religious iconography as a decoration 
Yes. You know, as like, but this is my decoration. Like, this is the, this yeah. is the yoga studio, and like, um, and like an idol. Yeah. Do you know, and like an altar, and like yeah. what that means to 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 have an upaya, to have yeah. a representation of a deity, and to. Um, so I think so. I I totally uh, agree with you. I think. And what I've come to understand talking to... It's like Madonna not, with her crucifix. Yeah, like, am I supposed to, like... Not, so, from talking, not just with, with Sucre who teaches yeah. the studio, but with, with other students, it's like, if it's there without context being given, mm. it's immediately suspicious. It's that, like, tightening of, like, uh-oh. What did I just step into? But if there's context given, you can take it or leave it. Totally. You know, it, like if someone like I can go into. So you put a big sign up next to your altar. And yeah. It says, no, we've actually talked about that. Actually, not in the room necessarily, but like outside, like actually having yeah, like a little not? explanation I mean, why of not like demystify. Yeah. And it's actually not you know that's simple enough that it's pretty easy. Like when people go up and look at it, I will just very freely, like, ask them if they have any questions about it. But I think there's a, this is the, um, this again, with the ever-shrinking yoga class, is, is challenging because there's actually not a lot of you have to get really good at giving your context in like and a quick set, like like so I you know I make my classes chant all the time right yeah, yeah. and and I and um, we've had to we we had uh, uh, Jay Brown on this podcast when he was here last November and Kate and I kind of took him a little bit to task on the chanting what he, he does he chant or no he does, he does. Um, but there was no that was that was very specifically. Uh, because he gave a heck of a lot of context for everything else and then just didn't do it for that. And it was just a little bit like everyone. What did he have you chant? Uh, the, um, I think it was the Kaichi Mantra. Um, no, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was, uh, Omasatoma. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, was there an ending chant? I don't know. I mean, Omasatama is an interesting one because it's so non-theistic. Yes. You know, it's 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 not it's not the, it's not like um, there's a teacher in New York named Miles Guerrero. Do you know who Miles is? Yeah, yeah, I know Miles. Yeah, we we uh, uh, crossed paths at Ohm. At another Ohm queer, yeah, yeah. another queer, um, an incredible teacher, an incredible singer. Yeah, an yeah, incredible yeah, chanter. She's great. Um, I think he these days. Oh, that's yeah. right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And, uh, um, and he's like, it's either a prayer or it's a list of names of God. Yeah. This is all of the chants are either a prayer, yeah. like Asatoma, or a list of names of God. Ramsi to Ramsi to Ramsi to Ramsi to Ramsi. And, and I'll, I, I, I'll ask the students to do both. Yeah. I always translate. Like I always yeah, say like, yeah. this is what we are chanting. But that's that's context. I think that's that's actually context. I'm not going to make en- you say. Enough. I'm not going to make you form mouth words without telling you what they mean. But I think part of the magic of chanting, when you don't speak the language, is it, it's it's so much easier for it to become meditative, because it's it's like 
what is the task? The task is making these sounds. So thoughts come in, but no, my task is making these sounds. So the practice of chanting is the practice of making these sounds. And here comes a thought, but my practice is Ram Sita Ram Sita Ram Sita Ram Sita Ram. And whether or not you believe that in chanting Sita Ram Sita Ram, you're fixing your eyes on God. Yeah. Or whether or not you're like, I'm adding my voice to the vibrations of thousands of years of humans saying Ram Sita Ram Sita Ram Sita Ram Sita Ram into like a really cool sound wave that's like out there in the world. Sure. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm all for uh, a group of people uh, in a room singing together and making noise. Um, uh, my homosexual chant is coming tonight. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, um, but the thing that I do recognize and part of the reason why I don't chant Om anymore, um, uh, the chanting practices that I, I do have are actually, for the most part, um, in English. Mm. Um, this is, uh, are you singing Made a Long Time Song? No. No, <laughs> uh, no there's a, actually, no, I don't have it in here. Um, uh, a sadhana that um, takes about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on how many times you yeah, Japa. Uh, but uh, that is predominantly in English, uh, which is an interesting challenge because sometimes you're in the middle of this sadhana and, and you're like, oh, wait, I don't agree with that. Well, it's also like, it's. But it, the, 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 it's. There's all sorts of. Um, attachments to English words. Attachments yeah. to the words yeah. in the language that you speak. But then there's all sorts of attachments to Sanskrit as being other. And totally. So, but, so my, my point, my point is that like people are allowed to teach and chant whatever they want. I think it is part of our responsibility as humans to, to, give, to give context. Yes, I agree with you 100%. And to be okay that then there are going to be people who are just going to say... This isn't for me or I'm... This is not for me. Totally. And and I do think that if you give context, that more often than not, they won't be offended. They'll just... They'll, they will actually probably just sit there well, this and is experience a, it, like, and then they just won't come back. I... Like, what I try to do in chanting is... To say, and I don't do it perfectly because you know, like I'm so lucky that many of my classes are full of regulars, and mm -hmm. I don't have to like do the whole song and dance every single time. I yeah, yeah. If there's 15 people in or 10 people in, and I know all 10, then I don't need to be like, here's a whole bunch of context. We've already they've they've, they've accepted already, they've the, context. the on the context. And yeah. um, but I it, it's this is a matter of like the difference in, the difference in how I instruct chanting versus the difference in how I instruct asana is that I really try to offer chanting as an invitation, right? Uh -huh. like, here's a thing that I'm going to offer. You can jump on it or yeah. you can not jump on it. Yeah. And then it comes to asana. I'm like, no, actually I meant I want all of your knuckles on the ground. Like this is not an invitation anymore. Now it is a requirement. So it's interesting. Yeah. It, it is. Um, Well, how you this is like this is like how does a straight guy feel coming into a gay space? Like how does how, when I'm adjusting? I you know I do a lot of hands-on assists. Like, uh, um, 
for many years I didn't I, I just assumed like that you came I can adjust you and yeah. now I don't do that anymore like now yeah. I get affirmative consent before yeah. I touch and you we don't ask every single time like if it's a right you know a regular student has given me that consent several times yeah. they, I feel comfortable yeah. that my touch is welcome yeah but when it's a new student I always get affirmative yeah. consent. Like, is it okay? I'm going to position my body here. I'm going to put my hands here. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Yes or no. Yeah. And I find, like, I don't, if it's a gay guy or a woman, I don't, I don't think about it. Yeah. But if I'm going to put my hands on a straight guy, I have this whole thing that goes out of my head. He doesn't want me to touch him. He's going to be freaked out by this. Like, I'm just adjusting his fingers. <laughs> you know, like I do. I have this whole thing that goes yeah. on. That's It's not coming from him. It's just yeah. coming from me. Because afterwards, the guy comes up and is like, oh, thanks for helping with my fingers. Like, but there's yeah, no... Yeah. But it, it, this is... So I think I think where, where this conversation usually... I think goes, um, south <laughs> is that there can be, don't hold back. There, there is this, there is this, uh, kind of, um, God, what are the words that I'm looking for? Um, this high ground that a lot of people seem to assume, um, especially the sort of Remsky like folks, that like, yes, there are people out there who are really doing like abusive things within the context of, of yoga. Like, of course. And then there are people who had a miscommunication, mm -hmm. um, who, you know, like legitimately were like just trying to help um, have you ever had, like, I got, I one time got hit in class by a student. She hit me. She screamed at me. And it was, like, shocking. Because, like, I was, like, I, I walked over. I was standing next to her. She was in chair pose. And her frontal headphones were yeah super compressed. And so I stood next to her. And I reached out like this. I reached to the side. And I put my hands on her outer hips, her greater trochanters. And I tried to tip her, her pelvis. And she whirled around. She hit me. And she knew I was there, right? Yeah. She was like, stop it. Don't touch me. And I had to, like, it was it was shocking. And so, like, I had to, like, it was a busy class. Yeah. Like, I had to, like, get through the class. And so afterwards, and then I got angry. You know, like, I had this yeah, the whole, like, the whole... You know, why did you respond to violence? I was trying to help you. You know, yeah. um, uh, Am I entitled to, like, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, I'm like, separate right for fours, I'm having this whole existential crisis. Um, and afterwards I walked up to her, um, I, I didn't walk up to her, actually, I stood by the door with my hands behind my back and I waited for her. And I was like, for whatever my part in that was, I'm really sorry. 
do you want to connect? And she was like, I didn't like that at all. And she walked out and she never came back. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. Was I trying to be abusive? No. no. Did I get abused in return? Yes. Yeah. How did she experience that? It was not a pleasant thing for her. Uh, yeah. And so does my intention matter if my out if my actions caused? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And 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 that's the you know, I'm also very. That was because when the be, consent started. Yes. <laughs> so there's also the. Like, yes, the, you know, even if you're a proponent of sort of these, you know, there was the thing that went around about the code of ethics or whatever earlier this week on Facebook. There was a New York Times op-ed. Oh, I missed that. Uh, and. It's Trump's America now. No one has ethics. Yeah. Uh, so even if you're coming from this place of, like, we need a very, like, strict code of ethics that we go by, which I think we would actually have to agree upon what we're doing in front of the classroom before we... <laughs> have a code of ethics, so I think we're a good... Uh, Is yoga line's gonna come up with yeah, that? Like, <laughs> we're a good, like, decade, uh... Or pay an extra membership plus, fee to get the code of ethics? Uh, well, they have a code of ethics, they just don't, they're not an enforcement agency, <laughs> so it's just yeah. a suggested code. I guess they can unregister you if you are shown to not have... Acted ethically. Yeah. Uh, so there's, like, a... Uh... There's a point at which all of this conversation, I feel like, of this, like, okay, this, these are the, like, cut and dry things that that are, are how we're supposed to be in front of the classroom, and, and this is, these are the boundaries, and these are the, you know, it actually cuts off the ability for people to actually have a conversation on, like, a local level about, like, well, what are our ethics? And is there any any uh, code of ethics that could encompass both what I'm doing in front of the classroom and what a kundalini yoga teacher is doing mm -hmm. in front of the classroom? I don't know that there are because the scope... Well, there's like the Sahana Vabhati chant. Like, so there is this like idea, right, that if the work is, if the, if the teacher-student relationship... Uh-huh. I don't want to mess this up, so I'm going to try to be as general as I can. Is equally illuminating. Yes. Right? Is equally enriching. Yeah. And if in their dharmas, in their respective dharmas, like like if I, if I, if I hired you for an hour, yeah. right, to be my teacher for a private, yeah. your dharma would be teacher and mine would be student in that in the context of yeah. that hour. But it wouldn't our human we would be equal. Like we're equal yeah. humans. We're just playing different roles yeah. right now. And at any point, you could turn around and call me and be like, hey, Tim, I want to do a handstand. Will you help me? Yeah. And then our dharmas would be different, but we, our, our humanity would be yeah. Yeah. the same. Exactly. And, but within that is the concept of agreement. So where I, do you get the agreement? Yeah. So, where, so what is the agreement when you, when you step in front of the classroom? And the truth is, is that... Um, I would kind of hope that there's a way to have the agreement be mildly unique to everybody. 
spiritual contact. Like there, there's, if someone comes in, and I'm going out of the room and asking everybody how they're feeling today, and someone says, "I've got a lot of pent up energy. I've been sitting at my desk all day. I feel like I'm ready to pull my hair out." And the next person was like, "Ah, I'm so jet lagged." We, they stay, still may do the same class. Like, if, maybe I'll give two people two different things. But because they've shared with me how they're feeling today, and that, that they would like to address that through practice somehow, or just that that is what they're practicing with, the agreement is moderately different because the context is different. Mm. The context of practicing while jet lagged is different than the context of sitting at your desk all day feeling like you're going insane and having a lot of pent-up energy. I mean, this goes to the, this is whenever I'm doing, like, teacher training. Like, we are being asked to do, as yeah. yoga teachers, an impossible thing. Yeah. What we were being asked to do is impossible. Which is to meet every student where they're at, yeah. right, and go from there. Like I'm gonna have forty students at six o'clock tonight. Forty. Yeah. I can't even see them all. Yeah. So I have a responsibility to teach. Yeah. In a way that is accessible. Yeah. And wise, but I can't individuate. Yeah. And they came for that. So this is this is the other thing that. It's just because maybe my generation or just because like my intellectual laziness or whatever it is. But like there's a part of me that gets so mentally exhausted with the political correctness that like, I cannot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there is some sort of magic that is that is like we've come together, we're singing a song, we're gonna move, we're gonna do these movements, we're gonna do this individual practice as a group. We're going to, you know, be all are intentionally working to increase our physical, emotional, spiritual health, whatever you've come to yeah. do, right? Um, no, certainly those who come to self-injure, but, um, and it, like, it can just be that. Like, it can yeah. just be that. Like, and it doesn't need to be so, and then, like, even as I say it, I'm like, but I can feel that way as a cis white man. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's not that I don't understand. Yeah. It's that this is a mystical thing, too. Yeah. Like, we're trying to be very intellectual at something that is mystical. Not necessarily magical, but mystical. Well, there's, Kate and I were trying to have this thing where uh, every podcast we say something magical or, or mystical. So that we're just not always, like, shitting on yoga all the time. <laughs> and each week we start the podcast off with, oh, I have something. And then we just forget to say. <laughs> oh, I see, I can, I can talk all day about ma magic. Like, I can talk all day about magic because, for me, it is magic to like myself a little bit better after the end of a practice. Yeah. It is magic to have a moment of freedom from, like, self-obsession. Yeah. Magic. You know, um, I mean, and to me, to so the the moment that I was going to 
share in last week's podcast with I, I just it was one of those oh remind me to yeah. tell and then I just was that two Thursdays ago, something like that. Ryan Hill, Sukratini and I were were in the studio and we were gonna go out uh to have a bite to eat and just hang out. And Sukriti was like, Do you do you mind if we just like go in there and practice for a little bit? And we were like, Oh yeah, sure. So like three human beings just plopped mats down in separate corners of the room and like dropped the fuck in. <laughs> like quieted themselves down. And I remember at one point hanging off the back of the bolster. So like for the first time like I, they were they were both of their mats were in my line yeah. of sight and being like it, it almost doesn't make sense that like this can happen like it yeah. like it makes sense because no. we, we all we have similar teachers and we you know and, and we've been practicing for a long time but like the fact that we were like ready to go out for dinner and have a drink. And we're like, you know what? Like, let's just go practice for a little bit. Like, I haven't gotten to practice today. That's magic. <laughs> and then we like just like sat down. That's magic. And everyone, no one was doing anything that like you would have never seen that. That's a series of postures in any yoga class. <laughs> that like nobody was doing a sequence. It was just like responding to. <laughs> what did you do for home practice today? I did right shoulder rolling for five minutes (laughs) (laughs) and then I did like a half a shoulder stand for 15 minutes and then I read a book. Yeah. (laughs) So it, you know, there is, um, it, you know, whether it's the, you know, sentiment around pride of, oh, we're just like everyone else or whether it's, this you know like we need to come up with clear you know ethical standards before we really even agree on what the fuck we're doing there there's a there's a this desire to act in this very broad sweeping cultural context which hampers the ability to actually sit down and have a conversation about your experience I mean, you're, I mean, I agree with that. Statement. Like, and, and that's, that's what's really, um, and, and not through, through a Facebook comment thread, like, actually, a conversation. have a conversation about like, okay, well, what, you know, well, I can be disagreed with yeah. and not take it personally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I can be said, Tim, I don't think you're right about that. And my mind can be changed. Yeah, or especially not. if you're sitting in the same room with a human being. <laughs> but that's practice too. It's like yeah. the ability to svadhyaya to look, yeah. look. Yeah. Um, I, I was just, I was at a concert years ago with a bunch of gay guys, and one of them was significantly younger than the rest of us. And a song came on, like, pre-concert. Yeah. And the younger guy, I was like, this is, like, 
best song ever. This is my jam. I love it. Where can I get it? Who is this? I got to download on iTunes right now. And we all sat there like, oh my God. Because it was Donna Summer Bad Girls. And he had never heard it. Do you know? And like, as like an older gay man, like, do you know, like it was like unfathomable. Yeah. But, like, but the, the culture. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is such that there's not that shared culture so yeah. much anymore. Yeah. Where like I was in the bars and I you know, like and I was with other gay men and, and I was delivered, invited into, and shared with a culture. Yeah. Right? And so that's my bias. And it's yeah. my bias in yoga too. Yeah. Like because I came in with like an altar and chanting and flowers and prasad and pictures of gurus and you know, an intense physical practice. Like that's, I want, I want, I want the weirdness yeah. to remain. Yeah. And, and I think we sometimes would do, we do our culture and our city a disservice when we assimilate our gayness. Yeah. And we do the yoga community a disservice when we sterilize it. Yeah. And I, and I think it come, you know, when we core power it. Yeah, yeah. When... Uh, Not to say anything wrong with, like, yoga booty sculpts, but... Yeah. I don't know. And, and the, the, the sterile thing is, is an interesting... Because... I'm really lucky to have stepped into a space that was practiced in for seven years before I started <laughs> running it. Because there is nothing that you can do to replicate that. There is nothing that you can do to replicate that. Like, it could have the same creaky hardwood floors, it could have the same altar, and if no one had practiced yoga in that space, it would feel sterile. Like, that's the truth. Um, and uh, there, there is a, a, a kind of a... Even within non-corporate studios... Uh, there is a, a movement to now the downside to not sterilizing it might be that there are people for whom your studio is not they're not going to feel welcome there and hopefully there's some you know in their experience they feel comfortable enough like that you you could cultivate a culture where conversations like that could happen that's challenging well, I don't. So, I haven't really seen places that do that well. So but. my teacher, when I started chanting, yeah, yeah, um, she was like, I said, "What if I lose students?" And she was like, "Then they need another teacher right now." Yeah. And other students will come. They yeah. need you right now. And this is, I think, part of what you're saying about the dialogue. Yeah. Is that there's this? I played with this idea in other areas of my life about. A spiritual contract and when you enter into that contract with another with a teacher like yeah. with another person like there's only like two clauses and the first is like we agreed to work together on this thing topic yeah and either of us can leave the contract for any reason with no hard feelings at any yeah. time yeah right and so like it lasts as long as it lasts yeah and yeah. It, then it goes when it needs to go or changes when it or, needs or to, we amend or the contract evolves as it, as it evolves and, it, you know, there's no lease, <laughs> there's yeah, no yeah. term, and there's no requirements in it, either that say, you have to perform X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I don't know how we do that with each student who walks in. They just sign a waiver that says, we won't sue you. 
right? Which are useless anyway. And you know, uh, could it say in there, like, hey, like, your teacher might touch you. Do you want that to happen? Yes or no? I mean, there are certain studios. That I think I think it's more a... Uh, um, the way in which we... It's like, it's actually, I think, a lot... Um, I don't think subtle is actually the right word, but it's it, there. There are like tiny things that can happen that can make a big mm. shift in the culture of the studio. Like, uh, um, things like, uh, though mind body makes it next to impossible to do this, uh, but changing, um, the, instead of in, when you're going to make an account, like the gender field to a pronoun field, um, having every teacher make sure that in whatever way they end their class that they're present and, and actually say, like, do you have any questions? Like, if you have any questions, please ask me about whatever we, whatever we did, you know, um, to just trying to have a conversation, even amongst teachers, not as, like, a, a directive, but, like, how do we address the variability of experience that people are having in class and, and try to be open and responsive to that? Um, uh, there, there are so that, and I've had this conversation multiple times with people, people come in, they try out the studio and they just like, you know what? It's not like I, I need something that's more intense. I need, I need something that what they're saying is, I want chaturanga. Yeah, they they, yeah. they want a more physically strenuous workout, and the and the truth is, the fact that they have the self awareness to actually come and tell me that or write me an email, like, that shows a lot of a, a lot of understanding. And then I simply say, like, hey, so there's a power yoga studio like two blocks up the street, like they're gonna be able to take care of you on that. And when you want something more like down tempo. Come check us out again. Come come back and do a drop-in. But like, all these things you're talking about, this way of communicating with students, yeah. talking to teachers about making pronouns welcoming, yeah. it's good business. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like good business too, so we want to be, be successful. Yeah. Right? And we have to, I think, I mean, it's just, there's not always a convergence in yoga between capitalism and ethics, right? Sometimes yeah. it's like... D d yes, diametrically opposed. Diametrically opposed. <laughs> but um, this is actually something that Like, that, that we can is. think about as a community, like, hey, we could be more successful, we could have more connection, we could have more students, we could have students who feel better about their relationships with us if we pay attention to identity a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Do you got? Do you have to? I do. You gotta shimmy out of here. Like the duties of. Of life calling. Of life. <laughs> well, wonderful. Well, thanks for coming in. This is so fun. Yeah. Okay. Maybe one time we'll have Kate record uh, with you. Uh, and I'll be your substitute whenever you want. Uh, <laughs> Totally fine, um, and uh, I, I love talking with you. I, I um, always 
um, one of the things that I adore about you is your ability to think through things so completely. And it's a real value to the community. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Tim Kelleher. Uh, and uh, that you enjoy this idea of having a having a guest host on every once in a while not just with me but you know we'll definitely have uh kate on to guest host with a guest host a few times too uh so in the meantime uh, if you have any comments or have any thoughts uh you can always send that our way unrolledpodcast at gmail.com www.unrolledpodcast.com where you can leave a donation and check out back episodes uh and uh of course uh, there's always leaving stars and reviews on iTunes, which is super, super helpful. Uh, though I don't really know why, because we'd still do this even if there were no reviews on iTunes. So I don't know that that statement's true, um, but uh, I hope everyone's doing well. And I look forward to hearing from some of you soon. <laughs> <laughs>